the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Fields of sunflowers, yellow faces way in the sun. Sunflowers swaying to and fro like a golden sea. Faces lifted skyward. Some are
Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, guest this hour is the national best-selling author of The Last Fallen Star, the first book in the Gifted Clans trilogy. In fact, she uh, was on the show when that book came out, and now book two in the trilogy, The Last Fallen Moon, is being released by author Gracie Kim, who joins me by phone. Good morning, Gracie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Um, now, this is part of the, uh, let, let's see, the last time you were here, um, we talked, well, your your last book was called A Love Letter to Korean Culture. Are you continuing with that uh, exploration? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I think everything I write, not to be honest, not even consciously, but I guess by virtue of who I am and my, um, you know, what, what makes me happy and what excites me, I, I have continued that, um, in the second installation. And this in particular, this book, um, is a really fun exploration into traditional Korean beliefs in the afterlife, would you believe? Um, but in a very lighthearted, imaginative and fun, hopefully, uh, way. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited for people to read it and to hear what they think. Now, this um, continues the adventures of uh, Riley O. Is it is it sequential or are the books, do the books stand alone? Yeah, no, definitely, um, definitely uh, following the aftermath, basically, of book one. So the second book really is Riley O um, putting 
back together or attempting to fix the issues that she created in book one. So definitely a continuation um, of the first book. Um, is it important to read them in, in order then? I would recommend it, yes. I mean, I think it is possible to read the second book without the first, but I think um, it is much richer for understanding the world um, and the character to read the first first. Now, I've seen you referred to as a Korean Kiwi diplomat turned author. What does that mean, Gracie? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's quite a mouthful, isn't it? A little bit. Um, so I was... <laughs> yeah. So there's two parts to that. First is um, just my identity, you know, what I would refer to myself as. Um, I'm first and foremost, I'm a Kiwi, as you can probably tell from my accent, um, of Korean extraction. So I was born in Korea and raised in New Zealand. And I worked before becoming an author. I was a diplomat for the New Zealand government, for the New Zealand Foreign Service. Um, so, so that's where the diplomat part comes in. Uh, and Korea, Korean Kiwi is, is how I refer to myself. Although sometimes, you know, New Zealanders are called Kiwis. I often refer to myself as a Kowi, um, a Korean Kiwi. Uh, so maybe that will take off at one point. <laughs> what, um, why did you leave the diplomatic corps to become an author? Or did you? Oh, gosh, isn't... Yeah, no, I did. I did. Um, and that is a very good question, Tom. Um, you know, I was in the diplomatic corps for over 10 years, and I really loved it, especially the lifestyle and the people that I got to meet and just the issues that I got to get involved in. Um, but there was always a creative itch and always, um, I think, the 10-year-old me inside begging to be let out um, and you know writing just really provided that outlet for me um, growing up I, I loved books I absolutely adored them they were my happy place and my safe place um, and it was only until I became an adult looking back that I realized I felt underrepresented sometimes even invisible in books and the ones that I'd loved because I didn't see myself reflected on the page and I think that is one of the main drivers for why I write is for my 10-year-old self. So I could, you know, see myself and hopefully for my future, um, for my daughter in the future and for other kids to see themselves represented on the page so that they can believe they can be the heroes of their stories too, you know? Now, Rick Riordan is is considered the... Um, uh, storyteller to the gods and and he has uh, created an imprint especially designed for writers who are exploring their heritage um rick riordan presents looks at uh, um, people from um, asia and africa and all over the world that are telling uh, these tales. How did you end up on the Rick Riordan uh, imprint? Gosh, you know, sometimes I feel like I sold my soul to someone, and that's why. I mean, how did I get here? I'm not sure. Like you say, Rick is, um, you know, the storyteller to the gods. He's an incredible um, talent, and 
you know, such an incredibly generous person. Um, and I, I don't really know to answer your question. I don't really know how it happened. Somehow I wrote a manuscript and my agent, when she went out on submission with it, found an editor at uh, Disney Hyperion who was interested and she wanted a few edits done. And when she came back and offered, she said, "Um, and I'd love for this to be published under Rick Ryden Presents. And I, you know, almost fainted because Rick is, you know, a huge writing hero of mine. (laughs) Who are some other heroes of yours? Oh, gosh. Uh, my family, my parents, my my grandmother. Um, I just, ad- you know, it's a common immigrant story of many diaspora living in, you know, in different countries of their birth. And I, I just admire them so much. The whole idea of um, picking up your life and throwing yourself into a into a new life for hope, you know, for the hope of your children and their futures and the sacrifices that they had to make. I just admire them so much, and I'm, I will always be eternally grateful. More with author Gracie Kim straight ahead. Hello, out. darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! 
Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey. Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with author Gracie Kim straight ahead. In this book, The Last Fallen Moon, this is the second book of uh, of a trilogy. When you started the first book, The Last Fallen Star, did you know right from the beginning it was going to be a trilogy? Uh, you know, I think I did. I didn't really know exactly how the books would pan out um, in detail, but I did in my mind envisage it as a three-part story. Um Although I have to say, uh, I'm currently working on the third book, and I am struggling, Tom. <laughs> it's really hard to. <laughs> to um, it's so easy to open boxes because it's so much fun opening new boxes and creating new characters and, you know, what have you. And then to suddenly, in the third book, uh, close them all, you know, in an effective and fun and satisfying way. I am finding it to be quite a challenge. Um Yes, in some ways I feel like there could be more, you know, but um, but yes, it's a good challenge. I'm having a good time. Is um, the the third book being a, a bit of a challenge, is that part of what makes you feel like you sold your soul to the devil? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's his payment, you know? <laughs> um, but But is it... Is it difficult because um, you there's there's a lot of the story that's already been told and trying to figure out how to close it all up, or is it because you've already in your mind moved on to new projects and and that's distracting a little? Gosh, Tom, are you inside my brain? Gosh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely a mix of both because I mean both are very true the first is true in that um, you know there's a mix of just like I said lots of boxes and lots of characters and things I want to conclude well but also the pressure you know of readers wanting um, you know a satisfying conclusion to their 
to what has become their story as much as mine. So there's that. And there is also, of course, the other brain, you know, it's called the, um, is it the new shiny thing syndrome? Where, you know, if something is too hard and there's this other new thing that's sparkling and shining and trying to grab your attention, it is very easy to sell your attention to that new thing. So, yes, lots of things to contend with. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because uh, very often when I, when I talk to somebody who's writing a series, um, by time a book is released, because they take a while, the, the next book is often, well, at least the, the first draft, the manuscript, is already done. And I'm always curious about the creative process, so I always ask, well, what's next? What's, what's the next thing? that you're you're going to do and this is the first time somebody said well you know i've got some things in mind but i'm still you know finishing up this this trilogy that that we're already in (laughs) tom you're supposed to be helping me feel better you're making it worse (laughs) no 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 i i just i find it interesting to um you know, so many times when the book is out and you're talking to a writer and it just sounds like they went off into the woods somewhere in a little cabin and they came out three months later and they had a book. But there's a struggle to it. And sometimes it's kind oh, of interesting yeah. to, you know, to, to peel back that struggle a little bit. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's so funny because if anyone asks, least of all my husband, I complain and I complain and I whine <laughs> about how hard it is. But, you know, I love every moment of it, and that's how I think I know that I made the right decision going from diplomacy to writing because even, you know, on the hardest of days when I am so frustrated, um, my husband will say, well, would you rather be anywhere else right now? And I say a resounding no. I am exactly where I need to be. So, you know, it's kind of fun to complain. <laughs> do you do you get a chance to interact with, with people who have read your book and and get out and, and do things? I know it's been tough the last couple of years because of the pandemic, but um, do you enjoy that interaction with people? Um, writing is such a solitary thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, like you say, because of the last few years, I wasn't able to go to the U.S. Um, I live in New Zealand and I couldn't go to the U.S. last year. And it looks like I won't be able to this year either. Um, And that has been so disappointing for me. But in saying that, um, because of, you know, the Internet and social media and emails, I have been receiving um, the most incredible feedback. And I have to say... You know, I mean, like the book, just the first book, The Last Fallen Star, just hit the New York Times bestseller list this month. And I was so, so ecstatic about that. And at the same time, I have to say what has given me greater joy by far um, are the messages I get, you know, from real readers, because that's when I realize it's real. You know, I'm I'm doing this thing that is kind of honestly scary and, and makes me feel vulnerable sharing these stories of my culture and my childhood and my own imagination. And here is, you know, proof that people are seeing my words and, and then resonating with them. I just, I find that it it just never gets old. Every single time is special. How much of, of the gifted 
Clans trilogy is um, Gracie Kim and how much of it is, is from your heritage and your childhood and the stories that you were told? How much do those inform the writing you're doing? That's such an interesting question because someone recently said to me that um, that reading the book was a real ride into Korean culture. And I remember thinking, oh, I didn't, I mean, you know, I, I didn't not put that in there, but I guess by virtue of who I am and, and by virtue of who Riley O oh is as a Korean American, um, I guess. I guess the culture and just the way of life, the way of thinking just permeate through the book. Um, and actually just last week, somebody said to me, someone, oh, I can't even remember who it was, which is very sad because it was a lovely thing they said. They said, I can see you through the pages. You know, someone who knew me personally. Um, really? And, you know, I haven't got, yeah, and I haven't put anything personal. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a made up story, but they said, it's in the things that, um, you know, the way that the character deals with issues and their, um, just, just not even the themes, but there's a vibe, I guess, if you will. And they said, I could see you in the pages. And I thought that was so lovely and also so interesting because I didn't realize I had put so much of myself in there. But um, perhaps that's just the way when you write, we, we share a part of ourselves without even knowing, perhaps. I don't know if we talked about this the last time we spoke or not, but I'm I'm always curious. Do you, in putting together this this trilogy, did you come up with the the characters first, and then uh, sort of figure out what kinds of things would happen to them, or did you have a story in mind and then cast it like a movie? Hmm. Interesting. I actually, I am um, a world person, so I always start with the world first. So for me, um, in this world, there are six different uh, witch clans, um, and the clans came first, and the goddesses that the clans are descended from, um, and the society, you know, what the society looks like, how it's formed. I was really inspired by... um, by how in Korean culture, Korean diaspora culture, I should say, especially communities really um, congregate around churches, um, which I find fascinating because traditionally, you know, in Korean culture, Korean spirituality was um, based on shamanism and ancestor worship rituals um, and then was influenced by Buddhism later, which came um, from India through China. And then it was much later, you know, that we had this Christianity come in through, um, you know, through the U.S. and other um, influences. And so to me, um, the, the, you know, the, the huge part that churches play in Korean culture is just really fascinating to me. So things like that really um, influence the way that I created this structure of society of these Korean witches. Um, and so I started with that. And then I thought, okay, what is the story I wanted to tell? And the story I wanted to tell really was about belonging. You know, that, uh, and this this is regardless of anyone's culture or background or heritage. Really, it's just, a, I think, a really human need um, and desire to be accepted um, and to be loved and to seek belonging. And, and so with that in mind, I created 
um, a family and a main character. And then I threw a whole lot of obstacles and challenges in her way so that she could learn her lesson, um, you know, her story lesson. But, yeah, I kind of went from the outside in, I guess, now that I'm talking it through. Hmm. I just, I find that that process um, really interesting, and and especially with someone who writes the way that you do, Gracie, where where you create a world, and... It, you know, it's it's all up to you to figure out, you know, how this all fits together. Will you then create a new world for your next writing project, knowing that book three is uh-huh. just going to sail through? <laughs> Thank you for your faith. <laughs> um, I, you know what, I have spent the entire day today being lost in this new facet of a world that I'm trying desperately and not very successfully to create. <laughs> so, yes, I, I am trying very hard um, to create a new world. And I love it because, um, like I said before, there's this weird uh, like dichotomy of, of pain and enjoyment at the same time because, you know, I'm trying to dig to the depth of my like the dark crevices of my mind to dig out these things that I love, um, things that interest me, and then pull them all together into one canvas and see if that can work as a world for a new series. And honestly, it's just so much fun. It's just so much fun. When you're creating a new world, um, how do you determine what limits to put on it? It's you know what I want heard from a fantasy author saying that the most powerful um, and believable um, worlds in fantasy are ones that are very similar to ours and that, you know, they are relatable, but one key thing is different. Um, And they were saying that if you try to be too creative or too smart and put too many things in there that are different from our world, it loses its believability and people can't relate. So the real the real key is, yeah, to have one kind of hook, if you will, that makes this world different, but um, but make it familiar so that we can kind of soak into the world um, and imagine it. You know, it has to be close enough for us to be able to see ourselves in it. And then the people, because they they have gifts that obviously most of us don't have, are they still inspired by people you know? You know, I don't think I once heard an author say that um, that often for characters they would base it on someone they knew or you know a famous character that they liked from a movie or something like that, and then mold them out into a new character from sure. that base. But I find um, I think yeah, I, I don't know why, but I find that quite difficult to do. And so instead, what I do is I just take traits, like I, I notice and note down things that I find really interesting in people that I see or that I know, and then I just kind of Frankenstein things together to create <laughs> new characters. <laughs> do, do you physically um, note things down or, or just take mental notes? Oh, I have the memory of an absolute sieve. I have to write everything down or else it is gone forever. So... Um, Absolutely. I have actually this um, huge, uh, like a, I think it's A2, quite a large pad of paper, um, like a you know, sketch pad, 
Um, and I find I often do lots of flow charts and just scribbling with lots of different colored pens and things, but definitely on paper, old school, you know, like actual writing. Cause, I, I, I have a um, friend who keeps a, a notebook. He's a, a songwriter and he writes down, you know, chord progressions and little bits of phrases and things. He calls it his boneyard. I love that. Why boneyard? Um, just a way of pulling skeletons and building on them, kind of. It's ah. just sort of a metaphor for uh, scraps. And, I love it. I love that. And and then when he's you know when he's feeling creative and he's in a writing mode, he'll go through these for you know bits and pieces and ideas and things. And it sounds like it's very similar to what you do. Yes. Although it sounds like your friend has one medium, right? Where they, where you know, that notebook where he compiles everything together, which sounds a lot smarter than my way, which is anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> so I find I have. <laughs> I try to tell myself to use my phone if I'm out and about, and I don't have that, you know, huge A2 pad just to jot things down on my phone, which was a great idea, except every time I go to my phone to write down something new, I find I don't know where to put it. So now I have some in my email, some in my notes, some under, like, new context in my address book. I'll say, read this, remember this, don't forget this, and I'll write down things, and now they're just everywhere. Um, Grace, chaos. Do you, chaos. Do you stay focused on, on one project at a time, or can you work on multiple things? I wish I could work on multiple things. I I am so envious of creatives who can do that. I am very tunnel visioned. Um, I have to do one thing at a time, uh, finish it, and then move on. Yeah. So when you're when you're in a book or in as in this case a series, you're really um, somewhat chained to that world until you get it all out, aren't you? Yes, yes, that is very, yes, chained. (laughs) Uh, Well, and I don't mean it to sound, you know, that restrictive or or that it's unpleasant. If it's a world you you love being in, why wouldn't you want to stay in it? Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. um, You know, Gracie, I... I, uh, really appreciate you spending this time with me this morning and sharing your thoughts uh, uh, about the book Uh, and um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work past present and future do you have a website you'd like to share yes I'd love to share it's um, www.gracykim.com and Gracie is spelt G-R-A-C-I without the E because um, my dad spelled it that way and it stuck. (laughs) Um, So with um, what's going on uh, next for you and and finishing this third book and moving on to the the next project, how long do you think you'll you'll be before we see a new Gracie Kim series? Or will it be uh, a series? Gosh. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, the one thing that is sure 
hopefully, is that the third and last uh, book in the Gifted Clans trilogy will be coming out in 2023, and I'm very excited about that. It's um, going to be called The Last Fallen Realm, um, and it's it's kind of, I hope this is fun, but, you know, the first book is set in L.A., and the second book, The Last Fallen Moon, is set predominantly in the uh, underworld, but the underworld looks uncannily like New York City. Um, <laughs> and in the third book, <laughs> The Don't Last they all. Realm, <laughs> <laughs> um, and in the, in the last book, um, it will be set predominantly in a place that may or may not be um, Las Vegas. So that will be a lot of fun, hopefully, to finish writing and hopefully for readers to read as well. Interesting. Um, what do you hope that that people get from this this series, the Gifted Clans series? Um, is it the the trilogy? Is it is it pure entertainment, or are there some morals tucked away in there? Oh, thank you for that question. I love this question because. Um, yes, number one, uh, I think books should never be full of, um, you know, forced lessons or anything like that. I think books should be fun and entertaining and one should pick it up because they want to. Um, but if people were to also take away um, a message or two from these books, it would be that, first of all, I mentioned before that there's this, you know, human desire and need to be accepted um, and to find belonging and I really would love for people to take away like uh, Riley feels in the book that belonging belongs with us first you know if we can't learn to accept ourselves first and love ourselves first we can't really expect anyone else to that journey is to start from within us um, so that's one message and the other is that uh, is that magic is everywhere you know and that seems very corny to say but things have been pretty tough for everybody the last few years and I really do genuinely believe that um, magic exists and it's in the small tiny things and it's in the small actions that we take every day um, to create real magic in our own lives and um, I hope that's something else that people can take away from this trilogy. Well, Gracie, it was a pleasure, as always, talking with you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners. And by all means, keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Tom. What a pleasure. Take care. That was uh, Gracie Kim, national best-selling author of The Last Fallen Star, which was the first book in the Gifted Clans trilogy. The second book is out now, The Last Fallen Moon. And uh, book three will be out uh, sometime next year. And with that, we'll uh, have more of the Tom Sumner program. Let's see the lies. Oh.
And this year, the Tom Sumner program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Flip-flip. My Community College. It's pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, 
Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov ag for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. When John Henry was a little baby... Sitting on his daddy's knee He picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel And said, goo 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 That's not the right verse He was only six months years old Tommy, the real, the ethnic You know the real version When John Henry was a little baby Sitting on his daddy's knee Daddy picked him up, threw him on the floor, said, this baby's done wet on me. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Oh, one more chance. One more chance is all you get. See this pin? It says, think ethnic. You got to think ethnic and sing ethnic to ever earn this pin. When John Henry was a little baby Sitting on his daddy's knee He picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel And said this hammer be the death of me, Lord, Lord Hammer be the death of me Yeah, when John Henry was just a little tyke 
He picked up a piece of steel and a hammer. It seemed like he knew all the time, down deep inside, that he was going to work on the railroads. And there was a big story waiting for him to arrive on. Why was a little boy used to go around hammering on things? His daddy bought him a little hammer. Let's go around hammering the tables and hammering the fixtures. Wah, wah. <laughs> we used to get a licking all the time to go up and hammer on the front door, hammer on the chairs. Yet as John Henry grew, he grew in size, and he grew in stature, and he grew in his mind, his horizons grew. He started to go out and got a bigger hammer. Started walking around town hammering things. <laughs> hammering trees, people's fences, the fire hydrants. Why <laughs> <laughs> John Henry could just go around hitting one fire hydrant with one whop, whop. <laughs> yeah. All dogs in town hated John Henry. <laughs> Well, the whole story goes is that when he grew to full size, he could drive steel on the railroad, drive those spikes in the ground faster than any ten men. People started talking about John Henry. Why he's the fastest man that ever drove steel on the railroad. And the whole story of John Henry really starts the day the captain told John Henry something. John Henry said, Tell me something, Captain. <laughs> then the captain said, John Henry, I'm gonna bring me a steam drill round. I'm gonna bring me a steam drill out on the job. I'm gonna pop that steel on down, Lord, Lord. Pop that steel on down. Sure enough, next day they had a steam drill out on the job. Big red steam drill, shiny smokestack sticking up in the air. Well, they had old John Henry over there. Muscles ripple in the sun, sweat running off in gimlets. Ringlets. Well, the captain Head of all the railroad workers looked over at that steam drill and smiled. Then he turned over and he looked over at John Henry. Those beady little eyes. He snarled over at John Henry. Hi there, John. <laughs> well, John Henry didn't say nothing. Just spit on his hands, picked up those two nine-pound hammers, walked slowly over towards that steam drill, spit on the steam drill. <laughs> then went over and spit on the captain. <laughs> well, it got to be about 12 o'clock starting time for the race. Every railroad man in the county was out there that day because they knew if John Henry lost that race, they were all out of a job. Well, it got to be starting time for the race. John Henry is up there at that starting line. 
and steam drill was up there at that starting line. Big smokestack sticking right up in the air. A little bit of spit on it. <laughs> well, the captain walked up to the start line. I swear you could hear a pin drop that day. He took out his pistol and pointed it up in the air. John Henry spit on it. Actually, this was about the greatest race in the history of man. The race between a man and a machine. He pointed that pistol up in the air and shot it off. Bang. That started that race. that race. Dumb smart I thought he could be a steam drill. What <laughs> a thing for crying out loud. John Henry said to the captain, to the captain, by God I ain't no fool. Before I'll die with a hammer in my hand, I'm gonna get me a steam drill too, Lord, Lord. Get me a steam drill too. Get me a steam drill too, Lord, Lord. Get me a steam drill too. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program and uh, thanks to all of the guests who uh, appeared on the show today uh, starting with this last hour national best-selling author Gracie Kim and uh, her new book The Last Fallen Moon 
And then uh, before that, we talked with Pulitzer Prize-winning New Yorker writer Catherine Schultz about her new book, Lost and Found. And we started out talking about the economy with founder of Aspen Wealth Management, Justin Wine, first thing this morning. There's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner program, and I hope that you will be too. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and pencil sketch recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.